we go. Now maybe you can hear me. Hope everybody had a, a great week and a, um, a good time of reflection. As I as I told you last week after uh, Easter, we kind of we kind of get away f- after Easter. We kind of forget about Easter. We kind of forget what took place. And um, I always try to think about this time two thousand years ago after after the the resurrection and all that took place. Just how the the disciples and and, and the followers of Jesus felt this time over 2,000 years ago. Just the excitement, the joy um, that took place with it. And then, of course, we got to we'll look at the ascension later on in, in you know, a few more weeks. We'll look at when he goes back to heaven. But just think of the joy that they had. And that's kind of the joy that I want each, each one of us to have in our hearts now after Easter. We've been refreshed. We've been revived a little bit. And we've just uh, we've had a good time. I mean, it's been two years since we've had this kind of fellowship with one another. And so just, just kind of keep going with it. Don't stop just because Easter's over with now. We're going to try to keep going with it and having uh, fellowship and just uh, continue to remember uh, all that the Lord done for each one of us and for the church as well. Um, I don't have really any announcements except for the box. Um, we still are going to be taking, there's nothing in there. So we're still taking up the uh, gift cards uh, from grocery stores for the Baptist Children's Home. We'll be doing that through the end of the month, which happens to be next Saturday. So uh, just kind of keep that in mind as well. If you got your Bibles, turn over to, we're going to pick back up 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And my amen corner has moved. My amen corner is getting louder, just so you all know. He, he's getting really loud right now. 1 Peter chapter 2. Now we're going to be looking at rebellion and submission. Rebellion and submission. So when we think about rebellion, what do we think about? James, what do you think about when you think about rebellion? you got the same problem I do. Yeah. Well, I ain't got one of those, but i got an Abby <laughs> and a Paisley. And we think when we hear about rebellion, we think about youngins. That's what we think about. Uh, and, and you notice I didn't ask Jason because I'm, I'm sure Lily is just an angel, right? That's right. That's what I thought. <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to read you uh, the definition for submit or submissive. It means to accept or to yield to a superior force or to the authority or will of another person. It closely is related to humility. And to submit requires humility. And we know that, that Jesus uh, was the poster child of humility. That's what he was. That's what we are supposed to be. And so if we have the humility that we're supposed to have as a Christian, then we should be able to submit like we should as a Christian, just like Jesus did. So we gotta, we got to consider that. we got to keep that in mind, what Jesus did. We're living in a day and a time now where pride and rebellion is just running rapid. Uh, when, again, when we think of rebellion, we think of, we think of kids and teenagers, but it's not just kids and teenagers. It is adults as well. We are rebellious, and a lot of times we're full of pride too. Uh, who do we, uh, I just want you to think about this for a second, who do unsubmissive people despise the most? Who do undis- unsubmissive people despise the most? I'm going to help you with this one, okay? I'm going to help you with this one. Cindy, stand up. Yep, sorry. You're going to have to stand up. Keith, stand up. If you can do it. Jerry's not here. Nat's not here. But we can do this. Conley, stand up. Jerry, stand up. James, stand up. 
I think that's it for right now. Each one of the, oh, no, Kristen, stand up. I missed one. All right, now, all these people have one thing in common. One thing in common. And calmly said it. Authority. These three, authority here at the church. Keith, authority as a business owner. Cindy, authority in government. Kristen, authority in the school system. That's authority. And we had, I wanted Jerry so bad because I was going to put Jerry like right here because he, he's authority whether he's law enforcement or not. He just has it. <laughs> but that's authority. What you see is authority. Y'all can sit down. Thank y'all. I should have brought y'all up here and everybody could throw tomatoes at you. That's what I should have done. To show you what authority, what it feels like to have authority. We have problem with authority. I have always, always had problems with authority in certain situations. But that's just human nature. That is us, not just as Christian, but as a human in general. We have a problem with being told what to do. That's why I had so much trouble during COVID. I didn't like being told what I could and couldn't do. And when they said we need to be tailoring off and not getting together and having church, I was, <laughs> I was the first one to say, uh-uh, we got to keep having this church. we got to keep doing this. I don't want to get away from it. I don't like being told. But that's, that is us in general. We as human beings don't like authority sometimes and being told uh, what we can and can't do. These people are not like because people naturally don't want to submit to authority. That's just natural. That's human nature. We don't want to. We don't want to. We're the bad guys. If you're in authority, you're considered the bad guys a lot of time. When you have to let that person go, I don't think you said you hadn't had to do that, right? But I know, Cindy, we've talked about that a little bit. Kristen, you've had to send people to the principal's office, I'm sure. Please say yes. <laughs> okay, that works. That's, that's good enough. You know, you've had, as deacons have had to discipline or had to stand up and stand for what was right for the church. Um, and that's the thing, that's, I, I, hey, I'm glad I'm a pastor, not a deacon. I'll just tell you that right now. I, I wouldn't want what they have to go through because there's a lot on these deacons that people don't understand and don't realize. But there's authority there, and we have to do what is right, being in an authority position. Now, Peter's talking about submission to the people that are being persecuted by their, or for their faith, and they're being persecuted by the government. They got, who would have thunk the government would have persecuted Christians for their beliefs? Hey, it ain't stopped. It ain't stopped. It's still going on. We talk about it all the time. We were talking about it a while ago. Think about China. It, it's going on. We look at North Korea. We go into that 1040 window we was talking about at uh, Sunday school. There's still persecution going on. They don't like it. There's, there's an evil presence in those countries and in those, those areas that they are... They're intimidated. I'll be honest with you. I think it's intimidation. I think they're afraid of what Christianity might do to their, their country and how it might turn their country to something good for once. There's an there's a, the authority problem there. Why should we be submissive people? Let's read and find out. Stand with me just a moment. First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. Notes here out of the way. The Bible says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to, to the froward. For this is thankworthy if a man is for conscience towards uh, God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults ye shall take it patiently? But if when ye do well and suffer for it ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Now get on to chapter 3. We're going to be in verse 1 again. Verse, or chapter 3, verse 1 says, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, and if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the uh, conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste, uh, com- chaste conversations coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of planting, planting, planting the hair, of the or let me back up here and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which is in the sight of god of great prize for after this manner in the old time the holy women also who trusted in God, adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but uh, contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For For he that will love life, and see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips from the uh, lips that they speak no guile. Let him show evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are upon are open upon unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That's a lot, I know, but we're going to look at every bit of that this morning. Let's pray. Father, uh, this morning, again, we just want to thank you for uh, another day. God, I just pray today that you would uh, just show yourself, reveal yourself to us. Lord, I pray that you would just touch our hearts. And God, I pray that we can uh, reconsider what submission really looks like in the Bible, what you're telling us to do when it comes to the government, when it comes to our homes, when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to those in authority. God, I pray today this would shed some light on it and give us a, a peace of knowing that we need to do exactly what the Bible says even though it may not feel right sometimes, God, we've got we to gotta mind the Lord when it comes to uh, the, being submissive. And I pray today, God, that you would just touch our hearts. Lord, I pray that if there be one here struggling with something personal, uh, that you would show yourself to them today. Lord, if there be someone here struggling with something inside their homes, God, I pray today that you would reveal yourself to them and give them answers. Lord, give them guidance, give them wisdom, so that they can overcome whatever the worldly problem may be in their homes. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you just bless our time together. All this in your son's name we pray. 
Amen. You can have a seat. All right, first thing we're going to look at this morning is a uh, citizen should submit to the government. This is probably, this was the hardest one for me to study this morning because, or not this, this morning, but for the past few weeks, because of being submissive to the government. Uh, and I'm not up here, I'm not up here to, to talk about politics or nothing like that. It's just, we, I think we all have that situation in our, in our hearts where it is really hard when somebody says, you can't do this. Depends on how they say you can't do this. That's that's my thing. If you come to me with grace and say I don't think this is a good idea, I don't think this is going to work, and we talk about it, that's another. That's one thing. But when you just flat out say you can't do this and you walk away, more than likely I'm going to do it. Just so y'all know, that's just what I am. I don't like to be told something like that. If it's going to endanger my family or myself or this church, I'll consider it. But I'm not going to be told what to do without explanation. So I had a hard time studying on this one right here. The others were not that bad. Even though a Christian citizenship is in heaven, we know that. We're, not, we're just tarrying around. We're just sojourners, as the Bible says. We're just here on earth traveling for a little while until the Lord calls us home. Our home is heaven. All right, that's where our citizenship is. That's where I don't have a passport to get to heaven, but my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's how I know where I'm going to be. That's my stamp. So I know where my home is, where my citizenship is. And so we're, uh, even though we're here on earth, we are, according to the Bible, we are still to, supposed to accept the authority of our government. Now Jesus said this, he said, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's. That verse right there is what's helped me so much. Believe it or not, hanging on to those few words of Jesus through this pandemic and some other things that we've had to deal with through the government, I remember the words of Jesus. He says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. That is what we are to do. When he says Caesar, I look at that and I just think government because that's what Caesar was. Now, Peter probably wrote this during the time of the great persecution from the Roman uh, Emperor Nero. This would have been around 64 A.D., roughly. And I can't remember. What was the numbers you were asking about this morning, Keith? 70 A.D.? 72 A.D.? Something like that. So Peter and Paul were still around for this right here. Uh, during his reign, though, Nero, uh, there was a huge fire in Rome. And Nero was accused of starting this fire, which he probably did. And he was taking a lot of flack for this fire and it, because it burnt down and destroyed everything. And so he was taking a lot of flack because the rumors was that he had started it. Well, he wanted a scapegoat. So his scapegoat was, uh-uh, the Christians did it. And so they were going and they were killing the Christians for this, saying the Christians are the ones that started this fire. And so Peter and Paul both died right around this period right here. But there's a story about Nero that I want you all to understand because I want you to realize just how evil a man this was. And because this is the time of Peter, this when he wrote this, Peter was having issues with the authority of Nero because of the evilness, the wicked heart that this man had. This man was so wicked he was, um, he considered himself a really good chariot racer. This, Nero thought, I can, I can do this, and he practiced all day long. And he thought, well, you know what, if I can do this longer during the day, if I can do this up into the nighttime, then I'll be even better, and definitely nobody's going to beat me. The thing was, back in Nero's days, back here in, in the uh, 60s and 70s AD, there was no electricity. 
So we didn't have these big lots like we have at the football fields and softball fields and, you know, race car or NASCAR uh, tracks. We didn't have lots then. And so because the Christians were being persecuted at this time, what Nero would do is he would send his men out and he would get Christians and he would lather them up in tar and pitch and he would put them and tie them to a stake and put them around his arena and light them on fire. Folks, that's how dirty, that's how sick a man Nero was. He would burn Christians to light up his racetrack. That's wrong. That is sick. So you can kind of see where Peter's coming from when he's talking about being submissive to authority. Whenever Peter was writing this to us, he was, he knew, he knew how bad authority was in his time. And I hope and pray that it never gets to that point anywhere else in the world. But that's, that's bad. And so he had something to write about. And he had some instructions for us when it comes to authority about being submissive to authority. Peter says the governments are to punish those who do evil. And he said they are to reward those that do good. That should be the government's role is to punish the evildoers and to reward those of us that do good. It should be that simple, but a lot of times it is not. There's always exceptions, though. Anytime the government has us try to compromise our beliefs, then we really take a stand. That's when we push back. That's when we as a Christian, and we haven't been. The church is not pushing back against government the way that we should. We are a minority now. We need to be taking a stand for what we know is biblically right. When it comes to homosexuality and abortion, when it comes to things like that, we're not the, the church that we are supposed to be. We as the church have got to take a stand against the government when it comes to these things. We know they're wrong. We know what the Bible says. We cannot, we should not compromise the Bible for what we're being told. We know what's right. Now, Peter, he wasn't saying compromise. When Peter was told, uh, and I'm going to read this and we're going to move on to the next thing. When Peter was told by the Jewish leaders to stop preaching, he said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. What he's saying is don't compromise. Don't compromise. So we can't compromise. That's all I'm going to say about that because, folks, I'm, I'm not going to get up here and do politics behind the pulpit. Second thing we're going to look at, an employee should submit to their employee. Employee should submit to their employer, to their employer. Now, this is probably the one that we all have trouble with. Sometimes we don't have the best boss in the world, right? Unless you work for Keith, and you just, you just can't beat that. Ain't that right? Yeah. Hunter's shaking his head. Remember who writes your check? Your mama. <laughs> Be careful. Peter's talking to the servants who received wages for what they did in the house. He's trying, to be an, uh, he's trying to encourage them. Even though their employer may not be treating them fairly, he's saying, be submissive. He's not telling them to suck it up, by no means. He's just saying, hang in there. He's, he's telling them, he said, it's easy to submit to a master who is nice. And it is. When you work for a boss, when you have a boss that's good to you, a boss that treats you well, they, they work with you, no, I'm not saying bribe you. I'm not saying take you out to eat all the time and, and do all these things. I'm saying just good to you in, in general. When they come up to you and they, and they sincerely ask you, when they say, how's your family doing? 
How's your workload? Is there things that we can do to do we need to make some changes uh, in your workload or anything like that to make it easier on you? That's good boss when they mean it and they're sincere when they mean it. That's good boss. Those are good to work for. I've had a few of those and I, I've enjoy, I enjoy that. It makes, it makes you want to come to work and, and to do the job. Peter is encouraging them to be loyal even during unfair treatment. Why should we endure through suffering? Why should we suffer for someone? Well, we, we got some, somebody that we got to look up to when it comes to this. Jesus. What a better way to exemplify Jesus than by submitting to the authority of your bosses when they're wrong. Has your boss ever been wrong and you want to call him out on it? You just want to call him out? You just want to say, I told you so? Just <laughs> read to look straight at Keith. <laughs> We've all had a boss. To, they've made a mistake. They've made, uh, they've made a bad decision. You made the right decision. They made the wrong decision. You want to point at them and say, ha-ha, I told you so, but you can't because you probably lose your job. So you, you just kind of go along with it. We have the example of Jesus' submission to help us, though. Whose authority did Jesus submit to? There was only one. God. God the Father. That's who he submitted to. It was the Father's will that he die of the sins. And as I was reading this, studying for this right here, there was a few things that, that really caught my eye. And, I, and I'm going I'm to read them to you. Jesus suffered unnecessarily instead of us, and none of us could ever suffer like he suffered. Jesus suffered wrongly because he didn't suffer for anything he had done. He was falsely accused. He suffered silently despite being falsely accused and insulted. He didn't try to get back. This is the part that really got me. He didn't try to get back at his enemies with his words. He could have, but he chose not to. What would we have done? Ha ha, I told you so. That's what we would have said. But that wasn't Jesus. He didn't try to get back at them for it. And then he suffered purposefully, not for his own gain, but for ours. He suffered so that you and I could have eternal life. He suffered so we could gain. That's what we got to remember. We may have to suffer through a bad employer, but there will be gain through that. Jesus found that gain for us. We may suffer, and eventually that employer is let go, and then maybe you are promoted to that position. Or maybe you are moved to another position away from that employer, or that, that boss or whatever. But we're going to have to suffer through. We have to suffer. We have to suffer. That's all there is to it. If others see you endure unjust sufferings, you'll you'll be witnessing for Jesus in the way that speaks louder than words. Not that you're just going to take it, not that you're just okay being bullied or anything like that, but they just see that you, you are, you're firm in your belief and you're going to stick with it. Third thing, <clears throat> all right, guys, girls, we'll just go there. Wives are to be submissive to their husbands. Now, don't think, I heard somebody snicker, don't think that we're just going to talk about the wives because husbands, you're next. So, all right, so just so you know. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. This is one that when I've done the marriage counseling thing, I always talk about these two things here, the wives and the husbands. Many feminists today say that the Bible degrades women, but there's nothing further than the truth. The Bible does not degrade women. 
Nothing has done more to raise the status of womanhood. Nothing has done more to raise the status of motherhood than the teachings where Jesus' words are being taught. Now, I will say where Jesus' words are being taught. You can go in, I think me and you talked about this the other night, where some of these Muslims and some of these other countries, where they go in, they have multiple wives, and they can marry young girls. I'm saying like 8, 9, 10, 14-year-old girls. Uh, and then if they don't like them, they just kill them and move on. That, those are places where Jesus is not being taught. That's where the Bible is not being read. That's where there are no churches. But where there are churches, where Jesus' words are being preached, women are being exalted. They are being lifted up greater than they ever had before in a good way. Not worshipped, but in a good way. When Jesus came into this world... Women were considered one step above livestock. I'm serious. It was that bad. A woman could be traded for cattle back then. It was that bad. They were not key, or <laughs> Mike, stop looking at Cindy. <laughs> that was back <laughs> That was back then. It don't work right now. <laughs> don't even try it. <laughs> If y'all, if y'all see Cindy in a horse trailer going down Cranberry, let me know. Because <laughs> I promise it ain't my truck pulling it. It'll be Mike's. <laughs> uh, hey, law. We're to honor them. Few women back then enjoyed personal rights. Prior to, to the law and to marriage, they didn't have any rights. They were pretty much equivalent to livestock. And that's, that is sad. Now, where the message of Jesus is taught, women have been respected as human beings. And they've been respected and they've been put in the image of God, the same as man. So now they are looked at as, as equal, and that's what we want. Today, it's not politically correct to say that a wife should be submissive to her husband. If we say that, we get dirty looks and get our hands slapped. But here's what I want you to understand. I, had, I actually had to... Do a little bit of digging to find this because the, the words that I wanted to say didn't sound quite right. But this guy said this the best. He said, men, if our wives see us submitting our lives to Jesus, which is the head of the church, then there is not a woman who would have a problem with submitting to our authority in the home. And I believe he hit the nail on the head right there. I'm going to read again. He said, men, if our wives see us submitting our lives to Jesus which is the head of the church, then there is not a woman who would have a problem with submitting to our authority in the home. That is God's plan. God's plan is always right. It's always perfect. For the sake of order, in any situation, you have to have, you got to have a head. There must be headship inside the home or anywhere else. And this does not mean that the husband is superior to the wife just because he is the head of the house. All right? There is equality between the husband and the wife, despite the different ranks there. There's one thing that, there's one thing that I want the wives to know, to know, the women to know, married, unmarried, whatever. I just want y'all to know this. One thing about being submissive. One thing. It's voluntary. It's voluntary. This is what Jesus says. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as unto the Lord. 
Nobody forces you to do it, but you you got to want to do it. You're, you got to voluntarily submit yourselves. Peter may have been talking to a woman who had a, a husband not living right at the time. Some women may think that to win their husbands or to be submissive to their husbands, that they, they got to get all dolled up. They got to look pretty all the time. They got to got to flaunt themselves, to, and that would be their version of being submissive. But Peter says that's that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm saying. These verses are not saying that a woman needs to, to look good. What this verse is telling us right here, it's, it's emphasizing that God says he looks on the inside and man looks on the outside. The inside is what matters. Do you have a good heart? Are you saved? It goes all the way back to the unequal yoke we talk about when it comes to marriage. Both individuals, the male and the female, male and female only, when they get married, <coughs> They are to be saved. One cannot be saved and one unsaved. That marriage will not work well because of unequal yoke. One's pulling and one's pushing. And you can't poly field one's pulling and one's pushing. So we got to have, you women, what I'm saying is you don't have to get all dolled up. What matters is what's on the inside. Where God is concerned, it's more important to have a meek that's what the Bible, what we just read, a meek and quiet spirit. A meek and quiet spirit. God is looking not for physical beauty, but he's looking for spiritual beauty. It's what's on the inside. It's what's on the inside. Now, number four, husbands. You thought you were going to get away from it, didn't you? Nope. Husbands are to be submissive for the good of the marriage. For the good of the marriage. This is an important part. Bible says, giving honor unto the wife. Now, this may involve a great deal of humility and a lot of self-sacrifice to show this kind of honor. This way, the husband can submit without neglecting the leadership. Now, the husband should honor his wife because husbands and wives are different. Some are night and day different. Some are a lot alike. Look at me and Maria. Have y'all ever heard her? I've been here six years. Have y'all ever heard her say a word? No, she don't talk. I remember my grandpa, bless her, before he died. Well, remember, we'd be sitting there eating lunch down at my grandma's, and he, my grandpa would just look over at her and say, would you shut up? You remember? <laughs> he, just, <laughs> about, he, he, said, he said she talks all the time. She don't. We're, we're not in day for the most part. I'm the talker. She's not. And that's as far as I'm going to go with that, for my sake. The woman is referred to as the weaker vessel, and that's referring to physical strength. That's all it's saying is physical strength. That's it. The husband should also honor his wife because husbands and wives are equal. We pull the same weight. When it comes, this is to the marriage. We're talking about the marriage, the household. We pull the same weight. We do the same for our family, for our, our, our children. Golly, I about said girls again. For our children. We do the same. We try to do the same thing. We try to pull equal weight. That's the way that your home is going to, to function. That's how your marriage is going to work. If you're pulling equal weight, having that equal yoke, as you're moving forward together at all times, being in the, in the loop, keeping each other up with things. A husband and wife are, the Bible says, heirs together of the grace of life. They're equal partners in receiving these blessings. So whatever takes place inside the home, it's an equal blessing for you both. 
So as long as you're obeying God, husbands, as long as you're being uh, submissive to the marriage, then you're going to get equal blessings between the two of you. Now, when God made Eve, he made Adam a companion and a helper. Remember that? Helpmate, helpmeet. That's what Genesis says. A companion, a helper. Because we can't do this alone. We can't go through this life and try to do all that we do as men. Even though we're men and we think we can do it all, we can't. We need that helpmate. We need that helper. We need that companion. We need that relationship. We need to feel that love. We need our wives. We need them. Oh, how we need them. The marriage relationship is not to be one of a man treating his wife like a kid who just jumps every time they say so. That, those bother me. I've seen a lot of those, and those bother me. Whenever the husband sneezes in the woman and goes and she grabs a Kleenex and she pats him on the head and she says, oh, it's going to be okay. She babies his ever move. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not, that's not the right kind of submissive right there. She is there to help him and be a, a part of him a part of him she is there to love him and there and he's there to love and protect her that's the ideal relationship of marriage love one another and husbands we are to protect our wives protect our marriage protect our families protect fifth thing and the last thing christians should be submissive to other christians and you're probably scratching your head on that one ain't you but that's what Peter's telling us. Christians should be submissive to other Christians. How in the world are we going to do that? This one's short because I'm going to sum it up for you in about six points. Six points. Strive for unity. That's the first point. One accord. That's what Jesus tells us. We are to be in one accord. This church should be in one accord with one another. But this church should be of one accord with other churches as well. And that's tough. I know. I understand that. There's, there's things going on in other churches that we don't, we don't see are right or don't want to be affiliated with. But in the big scheme of things, we are to at least be able to honor and worship God. And then things that go on inside the, other, the churches, you know, we don't need to be a part of that. But inside this church here, Chestnutdale, we've got to strive for unity. We've got to be in one accord of one mind. We've got to worship the same. We've got to thank the same. We've got to believe the same. We've got to honor him the same. Secondly, we've got to sympathize with one another. How do you sympathize with one another? We just need to be a brother and be a sister. We just need to be there for one another. Be a shoulder. Somebody, to, if they're hurting, let them cry on your shoulder. Be there to give them a hug. Be there to lift them up. The third thing, boy, I sure wish that was here. I'll just have to use VJ instead. We got to love one another, VJ. Hang in, hang in there. You'll get loved one of these days. We're to, lo- we're to love one another. We have to. And it's not just, I love you and I move on. It's got to be that filio love that we talked about. It's got to be that brotherly love. Brotherly love, sisterly love. Fourth thing, we've got to watch our reactions. <laughs> watch our reactions. Be careful with how you react 
to what's being said or done. If somebody does something in church, be careful with how you react to that and how you, if you confront them or however you handle that, be careful with that, those reactions so that you don't uh, cause a little strife. So we've got to watch our reactions, and then we've got to be careful with our words. Be careful with what you say and how you say it. I don't have to emphasize that one. And then the last one, number six, was to seek peace. You won't make it easy on the preacher to preach. Have a peaceful church. When everything runs smooth, there's no bickering, there's no backbiting, there's no gossiping, there's none of that stuff going on in the church, and we're all in one accord, and we're all seeking peace, and we all just want to be in harmony. I know it sounds, it sounds corny and all, but it, it's true. When, when the church is peaceful, it makes it a lot easier for the preacher. Amen. Seek peace. As a church, seek peace and see what happens. Our relationship with other Christians affects our prayer life. And I'm going to read that again over in verse 12. It says, um, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. With that part right there where it says, And his ears are open unto their prayers. When a church, when Christians are together, and we are in harmony or in one accord or however you want to say it, when we're together and we pray together, big things happen. Great things happen. The Lord hears it. He hears our prayers. He hears individual prayers. But when we come to him as a church with a burden on our heart, with something going on, on our, in our hearts that, that we need his help, we need a touch from him, when we come to him as a group, a collective group of Christians, it says, his ears are open unto their prayers. He loves it when we are together. Why should we be submissive Christians? Our submission actually shows our submission to God. When we are submissive to one another, it shows our submissiveness to God. Keep that in mind. I know that we don't like to talk about this stuff a lot of times because, it's, it's again, it has to deal with authority. And we don't like authority sometimes. But it's a good reminder. It should help us a lot. Be submissive. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. Husbands, be submissive to, submissive to your marriage, to your wives, to your family. Be submissive to our government. We've got to be submissive to the church, to the Christians. But there's ways to do it and there's ways to not do it. Do it the right way. Do it the biblical way. Don't compromise. If nothing else, whatever you heard today, all I'm going to tell you is this. Don't compromise the Word of God when it comes to being submissive. All right, stand with me. We're going, we're going to close out. Be careful. Appreciate y'all coming out. Appreciate everything last Sunday. I, I don't know about y'all, but I, that was a that was a good Easter. I, I appreciate the youngins that were here and, and for their help with everything. That sure did make it interesting, extremely interesting. I enjoyed that. But we'll, uh, we'll we're going to try to get the the kids a little bit more active and get them going now that we're. That's what we was talking about at work this week. It's finally the world has opened up and we can go and do things. And so hopefully we can we can get. Uh, get a little bit more active with our, our youth as they're growing because they're all little right now with the exception of a couple. Our youngins are little. 
I like it, though. All right, let's pray. Father, we just want to come to you again this evening and just thank you for your word. Lord, we just thank you for the guidance that you've given us, Lord, and just for uh, opening up our eyes to what we are to do as a Christian, as uh, citizens here and citizens up there. Father, I just pray that we can remember uh, all, that, all that Jesus did for us and being a submissive, having humility in him to be submissive while he was here on earth. Lord, and I pray that we can reflect back on that and, and be better Christians, be better husbands, better wives, uh, better church members, Lord, in, in all that we do. Father, I pray that we can recall that and we can honor that and we can do it the right way, not compromise, but Lord, we can do it the way the Bible says to do it. And I pray, God, you just uh, continue to guide us and Lord, just allow the Holy Spirit to, to work in us and to move us and to make the right decisions, the right choices. And I pray, God, that we'd seek your face in those decisions that we have to make. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us as we leave here today, be with us as we travel. And God, I pray that you would just bless our time together. I'll listen in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, we're good. We'll see you back here, hopefully Wednesday night.